Morning. Um, I hope that most of you have a, um, what I'm going to be talking about in front of you. It's the seventh, my seventh section on the Dao Te Ching. Um, and uh, there should have been one for everybody. Uh, at least I had a whole bunch of them. Um, and then I hope you folks online have it too. Um, put it to test. You did. Okay, thank you. Okay, so hi. hi. Isn't it wonderful to be here? <clears throat> Sunny day. I get to be maskless. You guys get to be maskless in an hour. Just hold on to your tea. <laughs> you can be a maskless as long as you want. <laughs> So I'm going to talk about the seventh section today. That's somewhat arbitrary, my choice of sections. And I'm going to go keep doing this in my, I give about one talk a month on Sunday until I get through all the sections. <clears throat> so uh, let's see, let me borrow someone's and I'm going to read the, I'm going to read what I'm going to talk about. Thank you. <clears throat> Other people are bright, I alone am dark. Other people are sharp, I alone am dull. Most people want a purpose, I simply don't know. I drink from the great mother's breaths. The Tao is ungraspable. How can your mind be at one with it? Because you don't cling to ideas. The Tao is dark and unfathomable. How can it make us radiant? Because we welcome it. Since before time and space were, the Tao is. It is beyond is and is not. How do I know this is true? I look inside and see. If you want to become whole, let yourself be partial. If you want to become straight, let yourself be crooked. If you want to become full, let yourself be empty. If you want to be reborn, let yourself die. If you want to be given everything, give everything up. The masters, by residing in the Tao, set an example for all beings. Because they don't display themselves, people can see their light. Other people are bright. I alone am dark. So if you want, want enlightenment, you have to go through endarkenment. That's just the deal. You have to go through endarkenment. And the historical Buddha went through pretty incredible experience of endarkment. Uh, and uh, from what we know, uh, and, uh, but his aspiration was to experience the lightness that he had seen when he had encountered his fourth sight. First sight was at the very beginning of his quest. First sight was the uh, sick person. Second sight was a decrepit, uh, aged person. Uh, and the third sight was the bodies on the funeral pyre. And the fourth sight was this, this uh, sannyasin, this uh, person who seemed so light and just so brilliant where he was. <laughs> and and that, that was that crystallized Buddha's own aspiration according to the story. Uh, it, and his six-year quest. 
but then toward the end, he went to real endarkment. Um, <clears throat> so to live a lighter life, we have to allow these demons to come up and pass through. We have to allow them. They're, they're hanging around, and we, we don't like them, but we have to allow them just to come up and pass through. They're just, they're just, they're just from our mind. They're only from our mind. <laughs> but that's a lot. That's a lot. I know that's a lot. So fighting with them doesn't help. And an enlightenment experience could help or might not help. I'll talk about that later. But this is about living more lightly. Times are dark. These are the darkest times in our country since I was born. And I was born before most of you were conceived even, before anybody had conceived of you or thought about you. These are the darkest times in the United States, I think, for many reasons, for many reasons. Other people are sharp. I alone am dull. So Kadigari Roshi used to tell a story about living in his country temple with his teacher. And he was one of four, I think four, that's what I remember the story, four uh, young priests who lived with his teacher. And it was pretty boring. All I did was fix meals and clean and fix meals and clean and fix meals and clean. And then I had some zaza in the morning and at night. And then they did more fixing meals and cleaning. They must have eaten a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and the other three category used to say escaped, but he didn't escape. <laughs> they escaped to the city or something. They escaped. But he didn't escape. And he said he wasn't sharp enough to figure out how to escape. <laughs> Other people are sharp. I alone am dull. So uh, this reminds me of a statement from my first teacher, my root teacher, <clears throat> Katagira, uh, excuse me, Suzuki Roshi. Uh, Suzuki Roshi said to me once, Clever people will not understand our way. And he said that after, um, after uh, I had had friends from Stanford up to uh, San Francisco where I was practicing Zen. And uh, 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 they had asked me, they had had a good time there, but they said, what is this Heart Sutra? that he had his chant. What is the deal there? Um, and I said, I don't know. He just says to chant it. <laughs> so I had a long story about that. But I'm not going to tell you the whole story. <laughs> but I, I did complain to him about it. And he said, just chant it. Again, he said that to me. And, I, and then I said, well, my friends, didn't you come back? You just got me now. <laughs> and he said, clever people won't understand our way or something like that. So I guess I wasn't clever. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that was a virtue. According to this, other people are sharp. I alone am dull. <laughs> Most people want a purpose. I simply don't know. So we do need a purpose. I feel lucky I've got a purpose in life, which is to 
help you guys enlighten yourselves. <laughs> help you live lighter. lighter. I don't care if you have an enlightened experience. Just live more lightly. That was my mission. <clears throat> as long as I could sit upright. Well, maybe even when I'm prone, that will still be on a mission. <laughs> Probably. It's been my mission since I was a very young man. Most people want a purpose. I simply don't know. Because we shouldn't, if I get attached to my purpose, then I, then I get boxed in and I can't really help you. Then I can't really join with you. I'm just, if, I, if I'm going to help you, I have to join with you so we can empty out together. So we can empty out together. So I kind of be careful of my purpose, right? <laughs> so last year I was in Costa Rica, first time there with my family. And we went way down to the south. And we went to, uh, out in a boat, a whole day in a boat. And we saw wild porpoises, schools of wild porpoises. I, I've never been to Florida, but I think those porpoises are somewhere in captivity and they've been abused. These were wild porpoises. They would just fly around, fly around in the water. They fly in the water. <laughs> and uh, and they are they seem purposeless those porpoises purposeless porpoises <laughs> they're just having fun they're just having a good a good time because they know how to play if we're just focused on our purpose we don't know how to play and I said to the guide who spoke broke, broken English I said well when do they ever catch fish it seems like they're just playing the whole time he said, oh, they're very purposeful. He said this in broken English and looking for fish. So while they're playing, they're watching for fish. <laughs> so we need a purpose. We all need a purpose. But let's also have a purpose. Let's have a purpose. We can do it. We can do it. Most people want a purpose. I simply don't know. I drink from the great mother's breasts. I drink from the great mother's breasts. You guys have heard me talk about this before and other teachers. So we, in Hinduism, we have Kali, the great dark mother from which all life comes. Buddhism, we have Prajnaparamita, the great dark mother who is the mother of us all because we're all Buddhists. <clears throat> We have Tathagata Garbha, our Buddha nature, called our Buddha womb. Our Buddha womb, the womb that's in here, our mama's womb. We're coming out of that womb all the time. She's supporting us all the time, right here, right here. <laughs> Although beyond space and time, but still right here. I drink from the great mother's breast. And earlier when I was talking about, I think, the fourth section, I, I talked about the comment, be the valley of the world, support and nurture all life. And now he's telling us how to do it. Just drink from the great mother's breast. So my wife used to be a La Leche leader. And that means that she taught many women how to breastfeed. <laughs> 
many, many women helped them. And, and women used to come to her and say, oh, I don't have enough milk. And she said, well, you're not just, you're just not trying. You just have to keep doing it. <laughs> because, and their doctors, their male doctors told them to give up. Oh, you don't have enough milk, their male doctors would say. <laughs> My wife said, that's crazy. <laughs> and this research shows that's crazy. All mothers have plenty of milk. This great mother has plenty of milk she's giving us. It never stops flowing. We're lucky. We're lucky. I drink from the great mother's breast. The Tao is ungraspable. How can your mind be at one with it? Because you don't cling to ideas. That's how your mind can be at one with it. You don't cling to ideas anymore. You let the ideas come, you learn from them, you make use of them, but they don't, you don't get caught by them. So uh, one of the people that, I'm, that I mentor said to me recently, is a very serious meditator. He said, I'm thinking about buying a motorcycle. He said, is that okay? <laughs> and he said, it was going to cost me $15,000. Is that okay? Well, I'm supposed to tell him. <laughs> I'm supposed to tell him whether it's okay to buy a motorcycle. <laughs> but he's serious. He's a sincere practitioner. Then he thinks maybe this is frivolous. I get it. Maybe this is frivolous. Maybe this is indulgent, self-indulgent. And I said, well, tell me about how you feel about motorcycles and, and, how, and how it's been for you with motorcycles. And he said, oh, they bring me great joy. And I said, oh, tell me more about that. And he talked about the wind on his hair and, you know, seeing nature and trees. And I said, well, it sounds like there's Zen practice then. <laughs> By all means, buy one for yourself and one for me. <laughs> and he looked at me and didn't say anything. You know, I'm almost 79 years old. I can't even sit in the cushion. <laughs> and I went, I went horseback. I insisted to my daughter I could horseback ride in Costa Rica. I insisted I could do white water rafting. And they had, each time I did it, they dragged me off. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> Till I'm not here, right? Till I'm not here. The Tao is ungraspable. How can your mind be at one with it? Because you don't cling to ideas. You don't have to cling to an idea that I shouldn't spend money on a motorcycle if it brings you deep joy. We need more deep joy. Deep joy liberates us. And, and, and it's, that's the, the milk from our mama's breast. Deep joy, deep joy only happens now. Ever noticed that? It only happens now. When we have deep joy, we're not caught by before and after. The Tao is dark and unfathomable. How can it make us radiant? Because we welcome it. So a woman uh, came to meet with me, well, several women have over the years who've had Lyme disease because I struggled with Lyme disease for years. I don't know why it's been women. I'm, well, I'm a man, but anyway, the women, you know, women are more likely to be 
openly vulnerable in that, <laughs> in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> a woman came to me who had been practicing with me for a while and said, you know, how did I deal with my Lyme disease? And I said, well, I just... It just comes and goes. She said, no, that's not helpful. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I said, well, I always uh, try to practice with it and and ask myself how I can welcome it. Uh, And then I I sit on my back, I lie on my back, and I put my hands in shashu, that's our uh, walking meditation, and I breathe. And I just do that. And I do that a lot all day, and it's, and it's good. And she said, well, I can't do that. And my, it cramps my hands anyway. I don't, I'm not, I can't do that. I said, well, don't do that. But how can you welcome it? So she began playing Gregorian chants and James Taylor. <laughs> that's, her, that's her combo. That's what brings her great joy. Gregorian chants and James Taylor. <laughs> you may not think they complement each other, but for her, they do. So if they complement each other for her, wonderful. Wonderful. That's her practice. The Tao is dark and unfathomable. We go into dark places. We get caught in dark places. But if we can just welcome that darkness, we live so much lighter, so much lighter, so much more buoyantly. <clears throat> The Tao is dark and unfathomable. How can it make us radiant? Because we welcome it. Since before time and space were, the Tao is. It is beyond is and is not. So in my third book, which Shambhala is going to publish, and we have to get to them quite soon, I have a little section on the very short section on the uh, Huayan teacher Fatsang. Um, seventh century Fatsang uh, had a lion statue made out of gold. And uh, then he would uh, have students come in, meditation students, and say, uh, This is to show the freedom and flexibility of non dual thinking. And they said, what? He said, well, can you see the gold and the lion at the same time? They said, no. And he said, oh, well, you need to meditate more <laughs> because you just see the lion and you don't see the gold. You just see the gold and you don't see the lion. You can let go of that narrow perspective. And that's the fourfold understanding of Nagarjuna, which the Hawaiian people make use of. The tetralemma, which I've talked a lot about. Uh, I, I worked uh, three years ago with a woman with bulimia. And, and we decided, she decided she wanted to, to do the fourfold, the, the uh, tetralemma. So, you know, first one, um, uh, your bulimia. She wanted to do it about her bulimia. First one. Oh, it's horrible. I hate it. I'm embarrassed by it. It's upsetting. It's not healthy. I don't even want to tell people about it. Culture to go to the second one. Well, you do find that you, you keep doing it. So there's something in it, something positive in it. Go to the second one. And 
just sitting here, but I mean, you, I can do it with people moving too, but just sitting here, if you went to the second one. Take some time and breathe so you can discover the second one. Well, she discovered, oh yeah, I get to eat all I want. I get to eat desserts, triple desserts. And I don't gain weight. I don't gain weight. And all my friends are envious of me. They don't know about bulimia. So she tells them and they feel sad for her. But, and then the third, and then I said, oh, can you hold these both? Can you just be present with these both? Third step in the tuck. Just be present with these both. What's awful about it and what you, and what you love. Because these bad habits we have, there's something, something that keeps us. And if we can just allow it to be, then we move on to the fourth one, which is neither nor, which is now I'm not, now I'm not caught by either hating the bulimia or en enjoying having triple desserts. I can move beyond. But that has to happen organically, and you can practice it. It's good to practice it, uh, and it will it will work for a little while. Um, uh, but it has to be practiced. It's just another way to practice do Zen practice because we just naturally fall back on seeing things with us from a single perspective. We just do that. We just do that. Practicing it. What's what Dogen calls practice enlightenment or actional understanding. Uh, uh, new trans, well, it's an old translation. Actional understanding through our activity, not, not through some single perspective, through our activity. So the Tao is beyond, is and is not. Even Dogen talks about the Tao, um, but I won't get into that. He talks about the Buddha Tao. He, he combines <coughs> the two characters, calls it the Buddha Tao. Um, that's not for today. The Tao is beyond, is and is not. How do I know this is true? I look inside and see. I look inside and see. So the energy we've put into trying to change the outside, into getting our pet to behave, or our partner behave, or ourselves to behave, or our kids to behave, we can put that effort, direct that effort inside, then we can, we can see the darkness, let it go, and feel the immense light that's always pervading, always pervading. And so that's why we have monasteries in Zen. That's why uh, Suzuki Roshi spent two years at a Heiji and Katagiri Roshi spent two years at a Heiji. And that's why I spent time as a young man in the monastery in California. And we, uh, we, have, we have Hokioji here, which is beautiful. It's beautiful. People should go down and spend time there. It used to be part of Zen Center, but I couldn't do both at the same time, so. 
So now it's it's thrived since Zen Center let go of it. We need time, time um, to go inside where we're not caught by all this stuff. And of course, if you do a half hour meditation every day of some form, that's good. But even we need more than that. Even we need more than that. Um, everybody who's in training here to become a, a priest teacher has to do one month in, in a monastic setting. And Bill and Ann just did their one month and um, I'm proud of them. <laughs> just because they did it. And that's it. I'm proud, of, I'm proud of people when they just do it because it's not easy. You think, oh boy, it'll be so quiet. But I'm not going to get into that right now. I will, that's another Dharma talk too. It's not as quiet as you think. <laughs> there are all these demands on you. Your mind is tripping all over the place and you got to hit the bell just like this. <laughs> you think, oh, <laughs> I want to get back to the city. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but monotony. Monastic life, mean, all it means is mon means one, going in, going in. We're putting more energy into going in. And that's how we learn to live lightly. That's how we learn to live. And uh, we have every month here, we have a retreat. You can spend the whole day or whole two days going in. And then we have our Hope Yoji retreat, which is five days, and our Hops, which is seven, going in, going in. That's where you find this wonderful stillness that emanates from the Tao, that emanates from your mama's breast. <laughs> That's where you find it. <laughs> Nowhere else. But we're disciples of Vimalakirti, and that means that we, um, we're in the world. We have jobs, we have kids, we have responsibilities. We're in the world. We make a commitment to be in the world so that we can help people. We make that commitment. Dealing with climate change, tribalism, pandemic, Ukraine. Uh, yikes, yikes. Well, we can choose one thing to do. If we can just choose one thing to do, I'm going to make sure that I'm not, there's not a clock around here. Oh, 1029, okay. Just one thing to do, or maybe two things to do. Linda and I had a Tibetan refugee live with us for several years. He just stopped in for a couple of months. Somebody need, but we just kept him. Now he was he had a separate space, but that was a little contribution we made. Little contribution. We there are not only so many things you can do. And now with Ukraine, that's overwhelming, isn't it? What can we do possibly? Oh, to help all those kids. Oh, but there's something we can do. There's something we can do. Because we're disciples of Vimalakirti. Vimalakirti was this wealthy man. <laughs> all the Buddhist disciples came to him and, and he dissed them all in a, in a Taoist way, in a Taoist Buddha way. <laughs> he gave them 
mother's milk, but they didn't like it. They didn't want it. <laughs> they wanted cow's milk. <laughs> he was wealthy. He was married. He had kids. He uh, visited brothels. <clears throat> All that stuff. All that stuff. So he's a model force. But it was not like EQ. I don't think he, according to the scriptures, he only visited the brothels. He was faithful to his wife. That's, that's better. That's much better. How do I know this is true? I look inside and see. If you want to become whole, let yourself be partial. Let yourself be partial. You know, you might think, oh, your practice is not very good, your meditation practice. It's not very good. It's not good. It sucks. <laughs> well, okay, just be partial. You're only partial anyway. You're only a two-legged. You're not a four-legged. <laughs> That's what my Lakota teacher used to say. He said, you're acting like you're a four-legged. You're only a two-legged. You're going to be falling down. <laughs> Duh. Duh. <laughs> We're only two leggings. We're going to be falling over. I'm falling over more and more. I don't like it. I don't like it. I worked for years getting into half lotus. You know how many years it took me to get into half lotus? Finally, I accomplished it and I could do it for a whole retreat, I could do it for a whole seven days. And when I took over being the guiding teacher here 20 years ago, my half lotus was perfect. But I've been getting 20 years older since then. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> I, I had to move to Seiza. You know what Seiza is. I did that for years. That worked. Then the pandemic hit and I got lazy. <laughs> and I, ever since then, I sat in a chair. And I have come back to sit in the Zendo since then in Seiza. And I can barely get out of the zendo afterwards. So that's why I'm in a chair today, because you guys would have to bring a litter in, probably. <laughs> you ready to bring a litter in for me, Jeremy? Whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to become whole, let yourself be partial. We're partial. We're partial. And I'm becoming more and more partial. <laughs> If you would want to become full, let yourself be empty. Here's Chuangsa, Lao Tzu's best buddy. A fisherman is on the water at dusk with poor visibility. You guys know this story. He sees a boat coming right toward him and starts getting frantic and yelling for the fisherman steering the boat to change course. When the other boat rams into his, he unleashes a hysterical invective at the other fisherman's moral and intellectual competence, only to discover the boat is empty and was simply adrift. <laughs> so our boat fills up with stories. And we help, help manage, let's learn to manage those stories, especially those stories that, that cause our boat to tip over. And let's try to fill our boat up with stories that help us empty our boat. That's what we're doing as practitioners. That's what we're doing. 
Mere stories, but stories that will help us empty our boat. Manage our own reactions. And we have to keep bailing. <laughs> it's practice enlightenment. It's not practice in order to get enlightened. There are more, there's always more water seeping in. So we're bailing, we're bailing, we're bailing. That's actual understanding. Practice enlightenment. We can keep our boats pretty light if we bail with sincerity. Pretty light, pretty light. Walt Whitman says, I do not offer the old smooth prizes, but offer rough new prizes. Now, boat bailing, <laughs> it's a wonderful prize. It's wonderful. You have to do it. And then Chuangzi says, if you empty your own boat crossing the river of the world, no one will oppose you. No one will harm you. Because inside, your mama is always nursing you. Always, regardless of what happens, even if this Dharma container just, bleh, <laughs> so I can't come over to Zen Center anymore. <laughs> Still, same, because the milk never dries up. My poor wife, when my kids were two and a half years old, she said, I wish they'd stop nursing. All they want to do is nurse. And I said, well, you know, Linda, you could, uh, you could just stop. And she said, yeah, but they, they love it so much. <laughs> but finally, with my second child, she said, enough is enough. <laughs> the first child, Jed, she let, until she let him keep nursing until she was too embarrassed because he would say, mama, I want some milk. <laughs> but she's a little league person. I don't know if you guys remember Lalaichi. They're a little bit, a little bit uh, too mission driven sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, maybe they're not too mission driven. But we all get obsessed with our mission, so then maybe, maybe so. <clears throat> so even in stormy seas, we can stay afloat. We can. We're already out of harm's way, and we just can stay afloat by bailing. And our bailing can include loving kindness. It doesn't have to include just zazen, loving kindness practice, yoga breathing, slow nature walks, retreats. The next retreat I'm going to do in mm, something like April 15, uh, we're going to spend half our time walking outside if it's nice. Small, short, or longer walks outside in nature. I learned those from Thich Nhat Hanh years ago. That's a wonderful meditation. Wonderful meditation. Just being there. Just feeling it. You're being nursed by the sky, by the earth, by the water. It's nursing you. Even in winter. Even in winter. It's nursing you. If you want to be reborn, let yourself die. If you want to be given everything, give everything up. 
So the original meaning of Donna, generosity, according to Trump or Rinpoche, is to give everything up. So we think of generosity as giving. But he says, giving up allows you to really give. So Avalokiteshvara is the Bodhisattva who starts the Heart Sutra. He's the Bodhisattva. She's the Bodhisattva. They are the Bodhisattva because they take male and female forms of, of compassion. But that's through giving up. So Avalokiteshvara says at the beginning of the Heart Sutra, Avalokiteshvara, when deeply practicing Prajnaparamita, clearly saw that all five aggregates are empty. So she emptied out. She emptied out the five components of the early version of the not-self. I won't get into that. <laughs> she emptied out. And the whole heart sutra is just about emptying, emptying all our beliefs. And I said to my friend the other day, two of my friends, well, we should do a modern-day version of the heart sutra. We should take all our cherished beliefs and then say, no, 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 to each of them. And we should chant that every day. <laughs> good idea. Good idea. Good idea. Good practice. Good practice. If you want to be reborn, let yourself die. If you want to be given everything, give everything up. The master, by residing in the Tao, sets an example for all beings. So my first two teachers were Suzuki Roshi and a Chinese teacher named Tolan, who later became the founder of the city of 10,000 Buddhas in um, the Northern California. None of them were, neither of them were known at all then, and both of them became pretty famous. That, ha that happens when you're Forrest Gump as a young man, just hanging around. <laughs> Just happens. <clears throat> so Tolan's thing was, uh, let the person of naked pink flesh come forth. And then he said sometimes, let the Buddha Tao come forth. Every time when I walked in and he'd smile at me, that's what he would say to me, which I found irritating. <laughs> <laughs> irritating. <laughs> But he was a good teacher. <clears throat> but that part irritated me, so I went back to Zen Center. Only spent about nine months with him. He wanted me, he wanted me to make that my koan. Chinese Zen, they still do koans more than Soto Zen. And I don't want a koan about naked pink flesh. Give me a break. <laughs> the master, by residing in the Tao, sets an example for all beings. Because they don't display themselves, people can see their life. Both of my teachers became my first teachers. Kadiguri Roshi, a little less so, but they became very famous, Tolan and Suzuki Roshi. Very famous, but they never displayed themselves. They didn't. <clears throat> I, I, I hung out with them. They didn't. They were just themselves. And of course, other people came along who wanted to display them, and that's where they got displayed. You know, if you have a student who really loves you, really supports you, you want to display their teaching. And that's what happened. That's what happened. They didn't do self-promotion, but they knew how to empty their books and live pretty lightly, pretty joyfully.
Let's see, what time is it? Uh, it's 42. I have 42 after. I have time for one more. So, because um, they don't display themselves, people see their life. So I started practicing uh, meditation in the 60s on the West Coast. And uh, uh, Tolan and Suzuki Roshi were my first two teachers. And this is also the age of the psychedelic movement, beginning of the psychedelic movement. So Richard Alpert and Timothy Leary were around a lot too. And, uh, 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 and of course, you know what they were promoting. Does anybody not know what they were promoting? <laughs> Raise your hand if you don't know what they were promoting. Oh, everybody knows. Okay. Oh, they were promoting acid, LSD, psychedelics. They were promoting psychedelics. Did you just did you just raise your hand so I would say? Or? Well, I had an idea. Yeah, they were promoting promoting psychedelics, and everybody was doing acid psychedelics or mushrooms all over the place, all over the place. And I did a little bit of that too. Yeah, we'll get into that. That's another Dharma talk. <laughs> I did a lot of that, but that's another. Dharma talk. <laughs> um. But, but they displayed themselves, both Albert and Larry. Well, really, this is the way you do this. Everybody do this, drop acid. Oh, they displayed themselves. I thought, they're really into this in a way that they're just proselytizing. I feel like I'm at the Catholic Church. It's not to mean the Catholic Church. Sorry for any of you who are Catholics. But, um, uh, so, and so I didn't. They, they both turned me off they were, because they were, they were, this is it. Suzuki and, and Tolong, I said, oh, just come sit with me. We'll just, we'll just, I, I have a little, I have a little uh, cup here. We can empty our bowls together. They didn't say that, but you know. And then I just thought it and I did it. I did it. So uh, in a way, enlightenment experience, Psychedelic, full-blown psychedelic experience. Orgasmic, spiritually orgasmic, beyond spiritually orgasmic. But does it make you a better lover? Does it make you a better lover? Maybe so, maybe not. Maybe so, maybe not. Sometimes so, sometimes not. That's our focus. That's our focus. That's why we say actual understanding, practice of life. And that's what I want to say today. So thank you. Happy to take any questions or comments. About 10 minutes. Questions or comments from, I don't know how many of you are online here, but I'm sure there's a group. And then those of you who are offline are right here. Questions or comments. Maybe we'll do the, it's going to be hard for me to see the online folks, but maybe you guys will, the, can the on, will we hear the online people when they talk? Yes, we will. Oh, so let's let's give the online folks a chance first. Who would like to say something or make a comment or tell a story or ask a, a, a question? Online. You know, I actually kind of thought about something after reading the Tao Te Ching. And who is this? Because I can't oh. see. Huh? Oh, so, 
Sorry, my name's Paul. Paul, thank you, Paul. All right. Um, so there's a line from the Tao uh, Te Ching number seven that says, most people want a purpose. I simply don't know. And yes. I was, I was uh, kind of wondering, is it desire to want a purpose? Is it I think we need a purpose. Like I said, human beings need a purpose. And during the pandemic, a lot of people have felt purposeless and it's turned into depression. A lot of people that I've supported with got depressed during the pandemic um, because they didn't feel like they had much of a purpose. We need a purpose, but we need to also have a purpose. <laughs> We need to play. We need to move beyond the purpose and be playful, be open. And that's what he's telling us. The Taoists were great, were very, very playful. Uh, and they bring this playfulness into Buddhism that creates Zen. That's a whole other talk. But yeah, I think most, we do need a purpose. We do need, human beings need one. But if we get caught by it, then we can't empty our bowls because our our boats are full of our purpose. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want. And so emptying our boats allows us to have the purpose and then be free of the purpose. Does that make sense, Paul? Paul Honestly, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I remember in college, I had a teacher who believed that teaching was is calling and i believe that you know without without a calling in life i mean without a calling I mean, it would, life would kind of be meaningless wouldn't it i just i didn't get what you said did you guys get what you said without a calling would life be meaningless Without the calling, would life be any less? Be meaningless. Without the calling. Calling. Without the calling, would life be meaningless? Without the calling, would life be meaningless? Without the calling. Without the calling. Well, we all need to discover our inmost request. This is my teacher's word. We all have an inmost request. But sometimes we get really confused and we can't find it and it's covered over with gunk. But there is an inmost request that we have. We do, we do. And it changes, it takes different forms. But this is part of our spiritual quest to empty our boats enough so we can discover a calling. Now, let's make it a small C calling because as soon as we make it a capital C, we want to lay it on someone or lay it on ourselves. <laughs> yeah, a small seat calling. And our calling, our small seat calling is going to change sometime. But let's go inside deeply and find our inmost request. Okay, Paul. That sounds very good. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, anybody in the room here? Oh, Pat. Tim, I think it's important that the purpose does not fill up the boat. Is not what? Does not fill up the boat. That's right. <laughs> Too often, thank you, Pat. Too often our purpose becomes to fill up the boat. All right. You know, uh, 
when I was guiding teacher at Zen Center, I want to fill up the Zendo. I want to get more people in the Zendo. I had to count the number. Oh, there are 32 today. Maybe be, oh, now there are only 19. If I'm focusing on trying to fill up the boat, how can I teach? How can I, how can I, um, <laughs> how can I nurse you? <laughs> how can I nurse you? <laughs> That's, I'm just trying to get pass out bottled milk to everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Yeah, well, Karen. Tim, if, what Paul was talking about, what you said reminded me of something you have said in the past, uh -huh. that to have a dim vision, to uh -huh. have that dim vision, you have a, that way your boat isn't so full. You're just, you have a dim vision and you just make those turtle steps. That's towards right. That. And you, you know, and along the way, you might take a different path or that's you know, right. change and, and, and that's okay. That's you right. Just keep, thank so. you. Thank you, Carol. Well, thank you for yeah. those words. Yeah. Yeah. Could you guys hear her? Online? You could. Thank you. Now, anybody else, either in the room or online? Over here, Tim. Oh, hi. Hi. Um, just what it kind of reminded me of is like, um, like the finger trap. Yeah. Where the more you try to resist and pull away and control, the more stuck you get. Uh, that's a very good analogy, Jamie. Very good analogy. Uh, I'll, next, I'll, I'll include that in my next Dharma talk. <laughs> I think that's a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Why did we used to get those at Chinese restaurants when we were kids? <laughs> 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 is that a Chinese con or something? Maybe that was Tolong when he won. He wasn't telling me to show him the person of naked. Pink flesh, maybe he was giving people this. <laughs> you know, if you just relax into them, they open. Isn't that right, Jake? They open. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a little bit of time. One more, either online or in the room. One more. Yeah. I, I just want to comment I that the three examples that in the stories about the nursing and the Lyme disease and um, I don't remember the other one. Um, but they all had to do with women coming with issues. With what? Women coming to you with yeah. Difficulty. Yeah. And I found myself, I just want to say, taken aback in a way because, for example, the nursing one, I worked as a birth doula for years, and I know how complicated that issue is. And yes, in theory, every woman, every woman can nurse a child. But there's so much more to it. And I just remember working with so many women with compassion to help them through the shame of not being able to. 
So I'm sitting with that right now. Uh-huh. Well, that's important. Thank you for mentioning that. that. You're pointing out my own limitation, my own limitation. <clears throat> Although uh, I will say that it's, it's Linda, my wife of more than 50 years, who is my role model. I never nursed. <laughs> She's the one that I watched. She's the one that I followed. She's the one that, that nurtured my kids to be such wonderful adults. I wasn't in Wallace, really. <laughs> she was the, one of the founders in northern Minnesota of Wallace when we were living way up there. No, and I should talk more about her. <laughs> That's about me. Thank you. Leslie, that would be the last one. Okay, thank you. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, what I found recently with the co with COVID and all that, and how it changed my life, is that, and I like the finger trap analogy because I found that I, you know, I might have discovered what I thought was my purpose, and then find out that it's not can be really disconcerting. So I thought my life had brought me to a certain point and everything pointed at that. And I thought, ah, oh, this is what I've been working toward. And then COVID said, that's not, <laughs> and threw me out of it. And it's been a really difficult thing for me. And thinking about the finger trap, I'm trying to extricate myself from this purpose I had. Mm. And I've been saying, I, you know, that isn't it, that isn't it, that isn't mm. it, and fighting against it, and I'm still trapped in it. Mm. And so a lot of what you said about the Tao and, and, and applying that, it makes me think I need to relax a little bit mm. with letting go of that, you know, mm. what I thought was my path. And instead of mm. saying if it wasn't my path, to kind of sit with it instead. Mm. Good, and, for you. Uh, Good for you. Good yeah, for you. Yeah, so thank you for your talk. Appreciate oh, you're, it. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Well, thank you for being so attentive. Turn it over to the <laughs> one.